Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking time to stop by the campfire. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. There are a lot of pieces that go into the great summer camp puzzle every year. What's your menu going to be like? Have you filled out all the requisite forms for the American Camp Association? How are you doing with your state regulations? Do you have enough lifeguards? Have you gotten the water samples in? I mean, there's just tons of things that you would never think about that go into it. But the biggest piece of the puzzle and the most important piece of the puzzle is the summer staff. Now, I've been doing this now 20 years, and I can tell you without a doubt that you can have a great camp in a parking lot if you've got the right people. This past summer, though, many camps struggled to find as many staff members as they needed. This challenge was caused mainly by the lack of J-1 visas, which allows international students to enter and work in the United States as part of a cultural exchange program. And having had children in camp myself, I can tell you that these international staff members are a fantastic addition to our crew. Since we as an industry have already started talking about staffing for next summer, I thought it'd be good to learn from someone who knows both summer camp and the staffing side of it really, really well. I didn't have far to go as one of our longtime camp friends, Ivy Cohen, was happy to stop around the campfire. As the director of the CHI Camp Leaders Program, Ivy and her team oversee the placement of Camp Leaders International participants at camps across the U.S. each summer through the Bridge USA J-1 Visa Program. Ivy's own overnight camping journey began in 1995 and really hasn't stopped since then. Before Camp Leaders, Ivy was previously spent five years working at the URJ camps, both in Westchester, New York, and New Orleans, Louisiana. Originally from Katona, New York, Ivy and her husband, Jonathan, now live in Atlanta, Georgia, with their three dogs, Augie, Marty, and Leo, and their new baby and future camper, Charlie. I'm thrilled to have Ivy around the campfire tonight because she can share a lot of what's going on with the international staff members and the impact that they make on summer camp and the impact that summer camp makes on them. I hope you'll enjoy this great conversation with my friend, Ivy Cohen. Ivy Cohen, welcome to the campfire. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you around. We've known each other for a long time um, and working in summer camp and kind of uh, different avenues. So like where I run summer camp, you run and help run one of the largest staffing agencies for summer camps really in the world. Is that right? That's right. Um, yeah. So we, we got started now it's hard to keep track with COVID, but now 22 years ago in the staffing realm and have been growing every year. So camp leader started 22 years ago. Yeah, 1999. Is that correct? Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize yeah. it was that old. Okay. I guess that's, I'm starting to feel old now too. Um, so <laughs> I won't tell you how old I was in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> so now how did you get involved? I mean, were you a, a camp kid growing up? Like how did you how did you get here? Yeah, it's it's really funny, I guess, my journey with camp. Um, so I'm the youngest of three siblings. And I just remember in the early 90s, I just aged myself, but in the early 90s, camp directors coming to my house to do camp presentations for my siblings. Mm-hmm. And both of my siblings had epic failures at camp. Oh, no. Never got into it, cried every day. Like they were those kids. And so my parents kind of gave up. And then when I was six, I said, what about me? I want to go to camp. (laughs) And they had kind of written it off. And so I went for the first summer when I was six years old and I left camp. Um, I was at camp every single summer until 2016. Wow. You were a lifer. Okay. Yeah. And then did you go directly into camp leaders from there? So 
interestingly enough, when I had left camp full time, so I was kind of, you know, burnt out, not sure what I was going to do next. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband and I moved to Austin, Texas, and a friend texted me and he said, did you know that camp leaders moved to Austin? And I said, oh, I'm kind of, you know, I need a break. I need a break from camp. It was, it was August actually. So yeah. I had just come out of an accreditation summer actually where I was running the accreditation. So it had been in general, just a really grueling, I guess, off season too, preparing for that. And he's like, no, you don't need a break. Go for it. And Michael Thompson, the U.S. director, and I at the time just kind of hit it off on the first conversation we had. And and here we are now. And it's just, it's such an interesting perspective to be on. And I know now that like I'm on the side I'm meant to be on. I just love what I do and I love what we do and how, you know, it really does make a positive impact in the lives of so many people. And I think I'm in the right chair. <laughs> Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, I just I want to put a pin on that real quick and then circle back to something you said, the accreditation yeah. summer. Not not everybody listening to this podcast will understand what an accreditation summer is. Can you want to explain that? Yeah. So um, our camp was up for reaccreditation from the American Camp Association. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's just a ton of paperwork, making every making sure everything in camp is in safety and health compliance and all of our signage is correct and we have the right staffing ratios. Mm -hmm. um, beds are spaced the proper inches apart from one another, <laughs> um, really the minute details. And I carried around this massive purple binder that had hundreds of pages in it. And it was, it was a doozy, but it was a lot of paperwork, but we did really well and a success at the end. Yeah. It's amazing. So just a, a quick sidebar story. The, when we were hired at our original camp, um, up in uh, New Hampshire, my first job, having never really been in summer camp and, you know, until my first summer helping to run one was, Hey, this camp failed the ACA accreditation the previous summer. Your job is to make sure that we pass. And so I went in from not knowing a thing about summer camp, other than let's go have a good time to here's the ACA book there. You have to type up everything and answer every question. And it was daunting, but also the best learning experience I could have had. It was awesome. Yeah. It is. That's baptism by fire, if I've ever heard it. So yeah, it's, you, it was, you jumped it right something. in. <laughs> oh, yeah, we definitely jumped right in. So now you're, you're running the staffing company, one of the largest in the world. We talked about bringing staff members in. Why? Let's, I guess, paint the picture. Why is it good to have staff members that come in from outside the United States for summer camp in the United States? Yeah, I mean... The, the purpose of the program at its core is actually cultural exchange. Mm -hmm. So we oftentimes, when we get caught in the day-to-day, -day, we think of these people as you know critical workers mm -hmm. and the people we need to run our camp program. They're actually not coming in on a work visa. They're coming in to have direct people-to-people -people diplomacy and to build lifelong friendships. That is the goal of the Bureau of Education and Cultural Affairs, which this program falls under. And while they do for camps provide critical work, they are not actually on a work visa. So they are diplomats from their home countries. And the hope is that when it's over, they go home and they have really positive things to say about the U.S. as well, but that they're really the bridge to building lifelong friendships amongst nations. Yep. And, you know, it, it sounds, I guess, like a little corny, but that's really what it is at its core and at the root. And so it's really important to keep in mind that those are the values of the program. So that's what it brings to camp. It enhances and it brings cultures together. Yeah, I totally agree. Just having now run summer camps for almost for 20 years, it's the, the the flavor you get, the connections you get, it really allows you to help understand 
what's going on in a different culture, both ways, Mm -hmm. you know, where the staff members from Australia or from Mexico or from, you know, Great Britain or wherever, Poland, wherever they're coming in from, get a view of American culture and American experience. At the same time, we who are from here get to kind of understand a little bit, a little slice of the rest of the world. It's, It's really an incredible experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's funny to think, but I know people from when I was literally a child at camp that's still that I'm friends with on Facebook and you still see, and they still post pictures 10 years later, they share their Facebook memories. And I think even coming for one summer, there's such a tremendous impact that you almost don't realize until they've left the gates. Mm -hmm. But these people are truly experiencing, I, you know, bias, of course, but like what I think is the best of America and this truly like quintessential American experience. So it's pretty cool. (laughs) Pretty neat. And really, if you want to couch surf, you can couch surf literally around the world. Yes, (laughs) that is for sure. (laughs) So what, what did, when you talk with young people and overseas that are interested in coming to the United States, how do you attract them? Like, this is a big deal, you know, and it's mm-hmm. becoming a bigger deal because of COVID and, and all the other things that we've had to deal with here in the United States. But what's the, what's the attraction for these 18, 19, 20-year-olds to leave wherever it is they are across the, one of the oceans or, or, you know, Gulf of Mexico and come here? It's really funny that, like, we talk about attracting participants and the allure of it and how exciting it is. But I sort of... Every year I ask myself the same question is how are we not getting more? Mm -hmm. So if you think about the overall population of say like an 18 to 24 year old in the UK, Mm -hmm. across the whole program, every sponsor, there's 12,000 or so of those that participate as camp counselors. And it's such a small percentage of the total population of 18 to 24 year olds in the UK. So we are attracting such a small number. Mm -hmm. And these are people who, for the most part, I would say like their parents did the program or they have friends or they've Mm -hmm. seen it on Instagram, something like this, but we're still sort of missing a huge chunk of the population. And right now I think there's a huge sort of built up demand for travel. And so, you know, five years ago, we used to say to people during your camp interview, don't mention travel because they're going to think you want to come to travel and not come to work at camp. But I actually sort of think that participants are highly motivated by the travel. And that's okay because this is travel for them in a way that's structured, it's safe, and they're getting the benefit of the cultural exchange. And so I don't think we necessarily should be shying away from the travel aspect. We should go after people who feel like they have the grit and the determination to travel alone after camp Mm -hmm. or that they know they'll be able to meet friends that they're going to travel with. And instead, we've sort of flipped that on their head and said, this is a travel program. It is a cultural exchange program. Working at camp, being at camp is going to be part of it. But, you know, whereas a director used to turn people down and say they brought up the travel, I would instead now encourage the director to say, where do you plan to travel? Build that connection with them during the interview process, because interest in travel is the number one way that we attract participants. And camp is is hard to sell on its own, I guess. (laughs) Well, look, it is a lot of work. You know, camp is a very challenging situation. Um, no matter what situation you're, you're coming from. But it's funny, from my ex- standpoint, 
we always expect our, our staff members who want to come here from overseas are going to come and enjoy camp and work hard, but then they are going to travel afterwards. And it's so cool to hear about where they're going and who they're going with, because just like you said, they show up not knowing anybody and they leave with, they're traveling all of a sudden with these 12 people. And then they're going to meet up with those two people. And then they're going to meet up with these six people all over the United States. And it's a really cool experience. And I think, as you know, too, like being the camp director, like you often don't necessarily see those friendships form on the day to day. You're, right. you know, making sure the, the whole ship stays afloat. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really cool just to see the groups that organically form based on where they want to go and based on where their interests are. So they meet people who just everyone wants to go to national parks. Did they work in the same program area? Maybe not. But that's where you really see these these lasting friendships form. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think when when you talk, when you have exit interviews and we, we talk with people or when you have the people return, you know, because a number of our, our staff members from overseas will come back year after year. Why? What do they get from the camp experience as a staff member? It's really interesting. I think that it's definitely different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we hear I think all the time of how many participants come to camp for one summer and we sort of lose track of them. We don't know what they've done next. We don't know where they're going. But then you look at people who are now ambassadors to to the United States from different countries, and so many of them did a cultural exchange program. Hmm. So I think it really, our hope is that it builds the foundation for someone to return home and be what we call a global citizen. They have an understanding of cultures other than their own. They're going to talk about the program. They're going to have the guts to do something they might not have done before because they've taken this huge risk and come to the U.S. for a summer. our number one hope is that they come back to camp the next year if they were a good fit. Um, but that they are same as what we foster in our campers, that they're going home more confident and more able to take on, you know, daily challenges of life. Yeah. And that's our number one hope, I think. What do you think are some of the the expectations that they have coming in that are not the right ones? You know, because we always talk about with with our staffing team that we can explain everything as best we possibly can. But yet you don't you can't tell them everything and you don't really know until you get here and experience what camp is like. What, what do you feel like are some of the, the basic misconceptions that um, first time staff members have? Um, wet, hot American summer. Type of- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that sometimes we just we put all the writing on the wall and they just don't see it sometimes. Very yeah. few cases, but um, that. I think that it's really, really hard work. You know, you and I know how many hours a summer is going to be. And it's hard to define when you're a camp counselor that you are up from sunup and beyond sundown. And Mm -hmm. there's very little time to sleep and to rest and also very little personal space. I think that's something that comes up a lot is personal space across cultures can be um, quantified very differently. Um, So just that, preparing them that you will have children on top of you all of the time, all summer, <laughs> you're going to be really tired. You might not have time to do your laundry all of the time and that it goes really fast. I think at the end of the day, when I talk to participants who are struggling over the summer, I like to use the five day rule. I say, you know, give it five days, use these tools, go sit next to someone new at a meal, ask someone this question you know, try to build a relationship with a camper this way. Call me back in five days if it's not going well. And yep. more often than not, as I'm sure you know, we never hear from them, which yeah. is good. Yeah. Um, but just giving them a chance that it is scary. There is culture shock. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
the other thing is that it's okay to get there and not just dive in that to be the spectator for a few days and really soak in what you're seeing. It's, it's really different. And I think for me who spent every summer at camp, that's super hard to tell someone else because I didn't necessarily realize it my first year here. I'm like, I'm such a camp person through and through, but you, you arrive in a foreign country and you are taken to a rural area and everyone's standing in a circle, dancing and jumping up and down. Like it's pretty, it's pretty scary. (laughs) Yeah. That orientation really is you you jump in the deep end of the pool very quickly. Um, You know, for for, for those that don't know, most camps will have anywhere from a 10 day to a five day orientation where they get the staff members together and try to build a team and explain all the important parts about camp before the children arrive. Um, And most of the time, these young men and women are showing up just like Ivy, like you said, come into New York City or they come into D.C. or they come into a big major metro area, get on a bus, go two and a half, three to four hours away. And by the time they get there, it's dark. They're tired. And like, where the heck am I? It's crazy. I will, I will never forget. So one summer that we had a bus of international staff arriving, get them off the bus, bring them to dinner. After dinner, it's dark out. We walk them to their cabin. And breakfast happens the next morning and this guy hasn't come down. Mm -hmm. And so we get on the golf carts looking for him. He was lost because he had gotten to camp at night and we sort of escorted everyone to their cabin. And it's like the, what to me and to everyone else was a straight shot from the cabin to the dining hall. Like they had no way of knowing where they were going. And so moments like that really grounds me. And what we do now is like, Every aspect of this experience is new for them. Yeah, I had an experience. We picked up um, a team of, of, of young people who come in. Um, they'd flown into Boston, took a bus up to the middle of New Hampshire. I picked them up. And the first place we would take them, we'd always take them to Walmart um, to go get whatever you need. You know, when we would buy them the personal items they would want to have you know, back home because it's hard to travel with all the stuff. So we walked into Walmart at 10 o'clock at night. And this young lady who was from Russia, from basically just outside of Moscow, but kind of like about an hour and a half, two hours outside of Moscow, she stood in the front of the store and started crying. And I said, are, are you okay? She goes, I, I've never seen so much stuff in one place. I mean, and that was a, a big yeah. uh, eye-opening <laughs> moment to me. Like, holy cow, the stuff that we take for granted is totally not what they would take for granted. It's just, it was really, it was a very mind opening experience. Yeah. And just, I think it's, it's oftentimes I, when I used to fly overseas for the prep days that we do before participants arrive. So we do an, before COVID, we did an in-person orientation Mm -hmm. and I would talk to these participants in Hungary and I, what do you know about America? What are you looking forward to? And everyone looks forward to going to Walmart. (laughs) And it's just like this big, it's part, it is oftentimes the very first sort of, I guess, cultural exchange opportunity they have on the program is seeing this massive store that has everything you need. And there's nothing more American to them than Walmart. That's kind of crazy. Well, hopefully they they leave uh, (laughs) feeling differently that there are a lot of other. I agree. (laughs) So let's, let's kind of flip it a little bit because, you know, you were a camper, you know, my boys have been campers for a number of years. What do you think the kids get out of having an international staff member in their bunk? I think for so many children, this is their very first exposure to another country, especially Mm -hmm. for our younger campers Mm -hmm. is there, you know, so many camps, the kids sort of grow up in a bubble that is their immediate family. And sometimes they have extended family close by in their school. And then they go to camp, which, you know, everyone sends their child to camp, hoping they're going to grow independence and become stronger and better at tennis or whatever you have. 
Mm-hmm. But how cool is it for them to go home and say, I became better at tennis because my amazing German tennis coach, you know, spent right. time with me making sure that my backhand was perfect. You, yeah. Things like that, that I think are so powerful. And they would never just come home and say the tennis guy is awesome because they want to tell their friends and family that the tennis guy was from this exotic land. Right. And <laughs> I think, and that is so powerful and just gives kids the opportunity to understand other cultures. You know, when camps have international nights where they allow all of the international staff to cook a dish from their home country or show a dance or show even just to wear their flag around, Mm -hmm. that is, we are truly bringing the world to camp. So we take our rural communities in Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, wherever, and you bring the whole world there just by diversifying your staff. And how incredible an opportunity is that for a young child to be able to see the world from, from their own home country and from their camp. Yeah, it was great this year, you know, because of the visa situation, you know, we actually had a number of staff members from Columbia um, mm-hmm. and because we get them into the J1 you know, program where the rest of the world was, was really kind of shut down. Um, and so we celebrated Colombian Independence Day. They put their flag so up, cool. you know, underneath the American flag on a flagpole. They were walking around. We had them come. They were the ones that raised the flag. They lowered the flag. And it it really kind of spurred a lot of great conversations, you know, with the kids. You know, what is it? What does this mean? Why, why are you celebrating it? It was a really neat experience to see, you know, we had, I think, 20 staff members from all over Columbia and different a- avenues of, of camp working in different places. And then all the kids were like, wow, this is really important. This is really cool. We get to do this here together. Yeah. And, and I think I love watching, um, international staff members celebrate July 4th and get really into it with the red, white, and blue. But if you think about our campers is probably an eight-year-old to a 12-year-old doesn't know that July 4th is not celebrated in other countries and just seeing how they're experiencing July 4th for the first time. I just feel like everybody gets in touch with their inner child and gets into it and it's it's really cool to see. So that's awesome that you guys did that for the Colombian participants. Oh yeah, no, look, you had to. It was a, a really cool yeah. experience. You know, but also, you know, I remember a time um, at the first camp I worked at. You know, there were some terrible things that happened in London. There were some bombings. You know, in the the train uh, station, the tube. Gosh, uh, this was back in the maybe two thousand seven. No, sorry, 2002, 2003, you know, and you have to remember that these young people, when something happens back home, it affects them greatly. And you, as the camp director or the camp, camp community, really has to rally around and support them because they want information and they need to know what's going on. It's it's For really sure. kind of an interesting situation from a, a camp standpoint, because it's not just about the bubble of camp. It's the entire world now can affect your population. And I think, too, when something like that happens, I mean, for good situations and bad, the like you were saying, like the bubble kind of explodes and you Mm -hmm. can run camp keeping the outside world out. But when the staff need you, you need to be able to show them that empathy and make them feel less far from home Mm -hmm. when they are so far and can't really, you know, maybe get in touch with their families that easily or something like that, but really make them feel comfortable and safe and secure and remember why they went on the program to begin with is if something did happen, that there's some people there who care for them. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the whole point of the cultural exchange, the empathy and the connection. You know, if you can help somebody through a difficult situation through supporting, then what better foot can you put forward, you know, as a a citizen of the U S for this person coming into your first time. Awesome. All right. So I want to shift focus just a little bit, Ivy, because you're, you're a new first time mom. Congratulations. (laughs) How's the baby? He's great. That's awesome. He's doing well. Yes. All right. So I got to ask because you grew up 
camper staff member, now you're staffing camps all over the United States. What have you learned through your experience that will affect how you parent your child? You're trying to pull up my heartstrings here, talking about my kid and camp. At least you didn't ask where he's going to go. Um, (laughs) Well, I know where he's going. It's okay. (laughs) It's a very hard question to answer for a three-month-old whose only interests so far are eating and sleeping. Yes. Yeah. Um, But I guess one of the biggest lessons I've learned that I certainly hope will impact how I parent is how capable and resilient young people can be if given Mm -hmm. the chance to do something hard, Mm -hmm. um, that everyone has the capacity to do hard things. Um, there's definitely nothing easy about traveling to a foreign country where you don't speak the language, say spending the summer to work in the camp kitchen. Yet every summer I get to speak with and visit with hundreds of participants who are doing all of the behind the scenes, tough work, which is often thankless on a day-to-day basis. Yet they're still smiling and they're still happy to be there. And don't get me wrong. The counselors are amazing, but I do think support staff really exemplify the strength of Generation Z. Mm. Um, So long story short, something that I think about all the time, and I don't know why it chokes me up, but it really does, is like, I want my kid to walk into camp and to be the one who like high fives the kitchen staff in the dining hall and says thank you when the meal is served. Maybe he learns a few of their names and it really like, I just want to be like, oh, that's a really nice kid. American kids are really nice. I'm, I'm really getting choked up. I don't, I don't mean to, but, <laughs> and it's more just about like how much the, I really care about the participants. And I just feel like the support staff are really often overlooked. And I was having a conversation a few summers ago. This is a little off topic to my own child, but I had two visits in the same day. The first one, I spoke to the camp owner and I said, you know, how's everyone doing? And I went into camp knowing the support staff were really unhappy. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, you know, we, we give them the world. Everyone here is someone's baby. And that matters most to me. And he had no idea from where he sat that the support staff were having a terrible time. Yep. And that was re- and I was dumbfounded and didn't know what to say. And the next visit I did, the support staff were so happy. And I said, what do you think is making your experience so great? And they said, the camp owner knows my name and something that's like so small and seems so basic means the world to these people is they got off the bus and somebody was expecting them. Their parents let them go to a foreign country and they knew somebody was waiting for them on the other side that would make sure they were safe and healthy and taken care of. Um, So on that same note, to make sure that he's always the kid that invites the new kid to sit with them at the table. If he's on his third summer at camp, he's asking the first time camper if they're okay. And that he's raised with the spirit of including others. Um, Nothing is more difficult than, you know, we deal with injuries and emergency room visits and all of that, but to talk a participant through not having a friend or someone to rely on when they're so far from home is some of the toughest phone calls that we take during the summer. And so if I know that I'm sending my kids to camp and he's there to build connections with other people and to include people, I feel like I sort of helped do my part, but yeah, that was, that was a mouthful. (laughs) No, that's fantastic. Well, it's funny. I I think back something that uh, Kate did and our, our campers did 
where they actually, every summer, we've got a couple of, of kind of staff meetings and the kids go off and do different things with kind of more of the adult staff. And one of the things they have to do is they have to write a thank you note to somebody on camp who's changed their experience or, or affected their experience in a really positive way. And it's the coolest thing seeing literally a huge envelope, like a big, huge nine by 12 envelope with a ton, it's just overflowing with stuff that's going to the kitchen staff or going to the cleaners or going to the, the maintenance guys, you know, just, just to say thank you. Like, ah, that's that's what we need. You know, that's, and I mean, that's, it means the world to them. Like it really does just to know that somebody knows that they're there doing the work. Yep, definitely. And I bet if you got um, a foreign counselor and a foreign support staff member in the same room arguing about what's a tougher job, I, I don't know who would win. <laughs> <laughs> very true. It's very true. I feel like the counselors get the glory a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> yeah, they, they do, you know, but I tell you what, if you can't eat, you know, that's, no, it's true. Very important people both ways. What would you tell parents, you know, who are sending their children to camp um, to know about these young men and women that are coming from overseas? I think that they're the most important thing is that they're vetted and there's all this background checks mm -hmm. done and mm -hmm. not just police background checks, but, you know, coming from where we sit that we're interviewing these people twice and we're not just accepting everyone that at the root of it, the person needs to have an interest in cultural exchange and an interest in making the po a positive impact on the lives of children, yep. that it's not just the application flies through the door, they pay, they come, you know, we're sending them, but we're truly sending people to the camp where we think they would be the best fit. But if we don't think that somebody is going to work well with kids or we don't think somebody is doing it for the right reasons, uh, we don't accept them on the program. So we really, you know, we have years of experience and there's people who have been doing it long before Camp Leaders was, but yep. that nobody is sending anyone to camp who they don't think is going to positively impact a child's life. And yep. that we're sending them there to meet the goals that the parents have for sending their kids to camp. Yeah. Well, it seems like most of the people who work with you in different areas, like we have two longtime staff members who are fantastic, you know, and Lena and Luis that really know what camp is all about. And so therefore can then go talk to these you know, young people that are interested in coming to camp from their different areas. So they're vetted, they're vetted by y'all. And then I think the vast majority of camps will also interview them as well. So they're getting yes. really three levels of interviews before they show up someplace. Yeah. So we, we require that camps interview every single person. And we, over the past few years, have seen that camps are shifting more into a model where they're not even doing one interview, but they're doing two or three interviews um, yeah. before they place someone. So we, you know, we tell the participants, go through the interview process. Don't get discouraged. More interviews is not necessarily a bad thing, mm -hmm. but it also gives them the opportunity to, you know, get to know more people from the camp. Um, and make sure it's a right fit. Like we are confident that there is a camp out there for everyone because we've done the first part of making sure that camp overall is a fit. Yep. So beyond that, there's enough diversity in our pool of camps that they will find the one that's right for them. That's awesome. Great. Well, I, you know, just speaking for, for myself, but I, I think I speak on the entire industry when I say that we couldn't do this without you guys. Um, thank you so much for, for all the work that y'all do. And I know our parents, without even really knowing it, um, would really appreciate knowing more about how we get these amazing international staff members to us. And, and here's to, you know, fingers crossed and hoping that the J1 visa program is, is back and, and fully robust for summer 2020. It's looking, it's looking good. Yes. <laughs> so Excellent. We're Great feeling news. way better than this time last year. So we're, we're really truthfully so excited to just get the world back to camp. You know, I've heard resounding from directors all fall 
um, just how much the the international participants were missed and how that cultural mm-hmm. you can't you can't fake that cultural experience that campers get from having people from all other countries yep. and just we're, we're excited we're so happy to still be here <laughs> yeah it definitely makes camp a much richer place you know and it's yeah. wonderful having you know primarily U.S. staff but it's a really rich experience when you have members of the world come to camp for sure so we will see you all out there this summer and it'll it'll be a smooth process we're so excited to have everyone back oh can't wait well hey thank you so much for sitting around the campfire with me i appreciate it thanks for having me cole we have been so blessed to know staff members literally from all over the world i was just thinking through the list of team members that we've worked side by side with over the past 20 years and i I really i couldn't stop typing down the different names of people that have just been hugely impactful for us so Rather than give a shout out to any one or two or 12 people, I'm just going to say thank y'all. The fact that we've worked with people from every continent except for Antarctica is really pretty incredible. Camp truly has brought cultures together, and that's never been more important than it is right now, bringing people together. You know, we humans are built for connection with others, no matter from whence those others come from. And while Avi shared a lot of lessons, I want to emphasize one in particular, Know and use that other person's name. It doesn't matter if they're cooking the food or cleaning the bunk or spotting you on the ropes course. Using a staff member's name lets them know that you know at least a little bit who they are. And this is just as important back home as it is at camp. If you don't know their name, well, look, it's never too late to do the right thing. Just go introduce yourself and go from there. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave a five-star review on whatever service you're using. The more better reviews we get, the more these ideas will spread. And please share it with a friend. Our campfire circle is big enough for everyone. Until we speak again, do good and be good. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.